Are you ready to study the scripture? Are you ready to study the scripture? All right. For once, the scripture got a better uh, woo than the one chapel coffee mug. So I want you to I want you to turn in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter six, and then if you want a secondary scripture, Luke six. So First Timothy six, and then Luke chapter six, and those are the two places we're going to spend most of our time today. As you know, uh, we're starting a new series today. The series is called Generous, and uh, we're going to talk about how generous God is to us and how he makes us generous to others. And uh, I thought this was a perfect Sunday to launch this idea. Of course, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. I, I love everything about Christmas. I love the giving. I love the presents. I love all of that. I, I love celebrating Jesus at this particular time of the year. Um, and people say this is the season of giving. But I submit to you that generosity should last the whole year long. That giving, while this is the season for it, that we are the people of God who live lives of generosity towards others. That's really what this backpack initiative is for Sunset Valley Elementary School. If you look at all these backpacks and you see so many of you, you guys, there's probably about 100 backpacks here. And and these are for needy children that are going to get food. That If they don't get food, if they don't get food on the weekends, they don't eat well. And when they don't eat well, they don't study well. The way their bodies work and the way their brains work. I met a teacher at the end of last service and she came up to me and she said, people don't understand what a difference it makes on a teacher when these children know they're going to have food. It calms them. It settles them. They're not trying to steal something from the cafeteria. They're not trying to, 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 to kind of put something away from their lunch to save for their little sister. These kids are in need and they're thinking about food. And these teachers want to be able to train them and teach them and educate them. And so we're fulfilling a basic need that is in these families' lives who are struggling. And I am so glad that we can be Jesus' hands and feet extended to these families. And so I'm so proud of all of you who've brought uh, these backpacks. And now here's what happens. It changes to just bringing the backpacks. And now we're going to build teams to fill the backpacks every week. In fact, in fact, one chapel made the decision to do this after talking to their uh, principal. And we were talking about ways that we could help the, the most needy portion of the students that are on the free and reduced lunch program. How could we help them? And one chapel, we just decided we're going to commit to making sure they have food every weekend. And that's a financial commitment. But here's how I see that happening. I think we ought to, we ought to commit to it and we ought to buy all the food in bulk. And, and then what we need to do as a group of people is we need to form some teams. If you're not on a team, this is a great team for you to, to get involved in in January. And every week we're putting backpacks together and we're setting them up for the kids to receive them every week. Now we can do that because of your generosity. I can make that decision as your pastor because I already know the money is there because you're giving it into the storehouse. Here's what I want to do. Instead of telling you, I want you to do this project and that project and we need to do this and we need to raise money for this, what I want you to do and what I want us to do as a church is I want us to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse so that all God's people can be blessed And so that every need can be met. Here's the thing. If every one of us tithe, guess what happens? 
We get to do everything God has in mind for one chapel. We don't ever have to say no to anything. We can do everything that his purpose and plan has ordained for our church to do in this city. There's a thing here. There's a thing here that if we'll get the revelation of how this works and how God's people together become so generous. In fact, in fact, I just wanted to highlight for you that this year, 11 months, you've already given over $100,000 to missionary efforts. You've already given 100, uh, this, this $100,000 includes church planting and includes incredible benevolence that you've given to people right here who are sitting among you and people in our city that you don't even know their name and will never know their name. That's a pretty awesome thing when you can think that you've given $100,000 just because you've been faithful in your generosity. Let's thank God for that. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money to me. And so I think that is so, such a powerful idea. And here in the scriptures, as we begin to pour it out, I want to I help you understand what God wants us to do. And we don't have a lot of time here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of shrink it down here so we can uh, just get done in time. But look what, look what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Verse 17. Paul is talking to his young son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy is a pastor of a bunch of people. And so he's coaching him on how to pastor his people. Coaching him on how to pastor his people. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Boy, isn't that true in our day and time as well? So many people putting their hope in wealth, but it's so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hey, 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 look up here. God wants you to enjoy everything he's given you. In fact, in fact, this verse kind of implies that he doesn't want you to just enjoy what money can give you. He wants you to enjoy him who is the provider of all things that you need. He wants to give you everything for your enjoyment. All right, verse 18 says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Everybody say generous. Generous. Say it like you're happy. Generous. That was a huge difference. I don't know if you realize that. The first time I was like, generous. generous and willing to share and in this way will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Hey, the coming age is built on generosity. The coming age is based on the idea of sharing with others. It's based on the treasures that come from doing that so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I don't know exactly how it works, but when you tap into understanding the generosity of God, you you tap into true life. John Bunyan is a great author. He said, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. You've not truly lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. You say, well, is this really that big of a deal, uh, Pastor Ross? Um, look, at, look at the number of times these words are mentioned in the Bible. If you take the word believe, believe, all right, it's a pretty important word, all right, pretty important word. It's mentioned seven, 272 times, 272 times. The word pray is mentioned 371 times. 
right? Very important to be a praying church. Love is mentioned 714 times. Isn't it about God's love? But look, look at this. Give, the word give is mentioned in the Bible 2,161 times. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That's a crazy number of times. Why is that? I think it's because selfishness so easily grips our hearts. Because the life that we live here on this earth, in the time and the season that we're in, between the beginning and the end, is so racked with materialism and selfishness, it grips our hearts so easily. Here's the deal. Here's what God wants you to understand. He is a giver. He is a giver, and he wants you to be a giver. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I think, I think the give is the verb of the Bible. It is the verb of the Bible. If the noun, the subject is God, the verb is give. God is giving, and he wants us to reflect that giving. Here's what... Here's what Acts 20, verse 35 says, and quoting Jesus himself, he says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I can feel the wheels turning in some of your minds, and you're thinking to yourself, uh, Okay, uh, great, this is a message about money, and Pastor Ross wants me to give more money. Listen, that is not what this is about. In fact, you're going to see here in a minute, this, this, this really isn't about money as much as it is a heart issue. It's about the gift that you receive when you give. It's about something that happens to you when you embrace the idea of generosity. Here's the thing, here's the thing, as a pastor, I know, sometimes it's sensitive to talk about money, but I don't want anything from you, I want something for you. I don't, I don't, this, is, this isn't about trying to get something. This is trying to instill something in our core values, in who we are as a church, in becoming a, a church that is, has a reputation for generosity, not a reputation for great worship services. I hope, I, hope that we, I hope that we have great worship times together, but that's really not what I want to be known for. I, I want to be the kind of church that has a reputation for generosity and sharing the gospel in a way that is profound and tangible. And seeing people come to him. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. And this is where we'll just spend a few moments together. Luke chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus. And he's teaching. He's teaching. uh, Luke. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. It was on a, in a big flat place. And it sort of mirrors the same concepts as the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew gives us. All right. So. So Luke, the author, is, is, there was either a, another time where Jesus was sitting and teaching these concepts, or he's putting them together in his recollection from, a, from a, a time when they were sitting somewhere on a big flat plain. And so he's, he's, um, he's putting together the characteristics of God's people, the characteristics of God's kingdom that is coming to them. So let's begin in verse 30. And we'll read the whole section, and then we'll kind of talk about it. Verse 30 says, Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lead, uh, sorry, if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to repay it in full. What Jesus is saying is that's just normal way of living. That's the way life works. That's the way societies work. You lend, you go to the bank, you deal, you deal with all these things. That's just normal. Jesus is saying, I want you to, I want you to live differently. Verse 33. Sorry, verse 35 says, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we unpack this with three little points, let's start with kind of the conclusion. The conclusion of this little talk in, in, in this segment of Jesus' talk is, the measurement you use for others will be used for you. Now, the, his hearers would have heard it through the lens of their own modern-day example, right? Uh, and and they, would have, they would have been thinking about it through this idea of grain. They would have thought about it through the lens of a harvest. And they would have heard his good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over through a very tangible way of living. I know you've heard that verse quoted so often from either televangelists who want money or pastors who are trying to raise money. It's not actually about money at all. It's an illustration of harvest. And the harvest actually would be... um, You know, there was a measuring, a way to measure it. You would either fill up the basket loosely or you'd fill it up and press it down and shake it and then press it down some more and then pour some in, more in and you'd fit more into it and you'd shake it so much that it would, then finally you press so much in that it would just run over and then it would run into your, uh, you you know, in your garments, you you put it, it would land in your lap. If you, if you were part of that day when Jesus was telling this story, you would have known that the Old Testament teaches that when you harvest a field, you have workers who are going to work the field, but then you leave the edges of the field for the poor, the people who are in need. So you might hire people to, to, to harvest the, the property and they, they would do their work and they would be paid by the hour or by the, or, or by the job and it really wouldn't matter to them how pressed down and shaken together and running over their baskets were as they began to do the work. But the poor on the edge of the, har- of the fields who would come possibly from a distance because they're going and they're get they're traveling to a place where they can get some food they would be taking it back to their own dwelling places and they would they would put it in there they'd collect and then they'd shake it and then they'd push it down and then they'd pour some more in and then they'd shake it and they'd push it down and then it'd pour and it would pour over so much that it would, they'd carry some back in their apron or in their garments and they would they would carry it home however much they could carry 
Here's the power of this idea. Jesus is saying, when you give, the way that God works is he gives more than what you actually gave. He gives good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And actually, this is a, this is a universal principle. Paul, the apostle, kind of taps into this universal principle in Galatians 6, verse 7, where he, he's, coaching, he's coaching the Galatian believers. And he says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Sowing and reaping, it's just, a, it's just a fact of the earth. It's been in existence since the beginning and it continues to be to this day. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignores God. He harvests a crop of weeds. Have you ever neglected your lawn? Thank you, brother. Just confession right out here in front of us. It's good. <laughs> Me too. In fact, my lawn looks terrible right now. And it, it looks terrible because I haven't paid attention to it. What Paul is here saying is, is you've got to pay attention to this because, because even neglect will create weeds. Neglect will create weeds. You've got to be attentive. He says, all he will have to show for his life will be his weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. If you have an apple seed, what does an apple seed yield? It yields an, first a plant, then a tree, then what happens? Then apples grow. How many seeds are yielded from that one? No, hundreds. Good guess, though. <laughs> Good try. Hundreds. One apple seed suddenly yields hundreds. This is the principle, and you can see this is not about money. It's about judgment. It's about condemnation. It's about forgiveness. Look at verse 37. You can see it right there. Don't judge. You won't be judged. Do not condemn. You won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be... This is about a generous heart that lets people off the hook. This is about a generous heart that doesn't demand an exacting judgment. You leave that to God. Am I arguing for no accountability? Of course not. I'm not arguing for hyperbole here where there is never a time where you evaluate or you, or you deal with people in this way. But what Jesus is talking about is an overall view of how much you've been given by God and then that spills over into other people's lives. The problem is we are tempted to use the principle that God is teaching as a motivation for giving. In other words, we're confused. We start using it as a motive instead of as a principle. Are you tracking with me? Which leads to the second. Jesus wants you to catch the vision of giving, not the vision of getting. (laughs) This passage right here in Luke chapter 6 is not about the idea of getting more stuff. (laughs) I just want more stuff. Have Have you seen this show Hoarders on television? Oh my gosh, it is shocking how people can just accumulate stuff and more stuff and they just don't want to get rid of anything. And then before you know it, they're sick in their minds. And you can't walk anywhere. I mean, how do you get there? How do you get to to where your house is so full of stuff that you just, (laughs) 
that you, that you can't walk from one room to another. How do you get there? How do you end up there? One day at a time. One little piece at a time. Oh, I need this. Oh, I, better, I, I, I need to have that. Oh, I, I need to buy that. <laughs> QVC, stay away from it. <laughs> I don't know. Do they still have QVC? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Somebody knows. Jesus is highlighting a way of living. It's a vision of giving and what that means to the world, what it means to your own heart, how it changes you. Material gain cannot be the motive for this. There is nothing in Scripture that says we should make personal gain our motive for giving. Here's, here, actually, it, it, the Scriptures guard against that over and over again. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're talking about a heart that is so overwhelmed by the generosity of God's grace. A heart that is so consumed, so moved, so longing for him that his or her heart is full of generosity that then is poured out to others. That's the characteristic that Jesus is pointing out that that identifies God's people. Third point here is just that people experience God's generosity through you and me. If you'll notice, if you read through the whole thing, what you find is that he wants... He wants you to give to those who ask you. Just, just If you read through this passage, I'm just going to make a list for you. Give to those who ask of you. Give to those who can't pay you back. Give love to those who don't deserve it. Give mercy to those who wrong you. Give the kind of treatment you would hope to receive from others. Give, give, give. It's a way of life and it changes your heart and it changes theirs. It's a way of thinking about life. And by the way, when you do, There's something that happens to you and God's provision shows up. Generosity is a distinguishing mark of God's people. That's why I'm so happy when I stand up here and I look at all these backpacks. I see God working in us. I see God working in our community and I, I see God beginning to pour out beyond our community and Proverbs 21, 26 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. What I want to challenge you today is to surrender your heart in such a way that you find the joy in giving to others. That little thing that you enjoy when, when somebody gets a gift at Christmas time, and it's a gift that you picked out, and you're watching, you're looking at them, and you're like, here, open mine. And then they start opening, and you're like, they're going to love this. Watch. Oh, hey, you don't only want to look at them. You want everyone else to look at them. Look, look at this. this is, look at this. This is mine. This, this is mine. By the way, it starts early. My little seven-year-old does this. Like he has a little gift. He thinks it's the most brilliant thing in the world. He's seven years old. Look at this. Everybody look. Mom's opening my gift. Here it is. Here it is. And then when they open it, something happens. Like, oh, yes. They loved it. Yes. 
What Jesus is saying is that thing right there is a godlike quality that I want you to live in. I want you to operate out of that. I want you to operate out of it at work. I want you to operate out of it in your family. I want you to operate out, it as, out of it as a community of believers so that it spills out into the selfish world that we live in. He, he wants us to be counter-cultural in this way. That we're not always worried and filled with anxiety about what we have and what we don't have. That we rely on him for his provision. That we allow his generosity to shape our view of the world. Instead of, instead of having a poverty mentality where we might not get enough, we are convinced. And so we give freely. Would you close your eyes and just bow your heads and I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that might just convict you of how you've been living. And, and, and even, in the, even in the midst of this Christmas season, I know there is an underbelly. There's a sense at which, oh, I can't buy the presents that I need to buy for my kids or I, I, I can't do what I really wanted to do and so I feel disappointed or the financial pressure that you feel is so heavy that Christmas becomes a burden instead of a joy. Could I pray for you for that burden to be lifted today? Could I pray for you to, you and me to yield to God in such a way that we would just see life through the lens of his generous hand open towards us? Would you be willing to surrender all of your desire and need to to own and to accumulate and to, to hoard and be responsive to the words of Jesus? That it is more blessed to give than to receive. Could you allow Jesus to work on your heart in such a way that you become more loving at home? Maybe more kind at work, not so judgmental. Not so full of wanting to prove this or that or exact judgment but you'd be willing to give. You'd be willing to be generous. Even even to the point of people possibly taking advantage of it. That's that's really the crazy thing that Jesus mentions here is he's saying, I'm going to give you such strength that even if they take advantage of you, you will have something that they don't have. You'll have provision. God will reward you. God will give to you. God will provide for you if you'll do this, even to the point of being taken advantage of. This is the power of the gospel. It's the power of the message. It's the power of the Father's love and generosity towards you and towards me. So hard to wrap our minds around. Would you let him do something? Just close your eyes, and I'm going to pray over you, and I want you to kind of pray this prayer with me. Just maybe under your breath, and you're just asking the Lord to work in you. Father, thank you for showing us your generosity through Jesus. Thank you for the gift of love and the gift of life. Help me to see it more clearly. Forgive me for being full of myself or full of my own desires and wants or my own motives that constantly 
want to collect things and accumulate or always thinking about what I deserve or what I need to get. Forgive me. Forgive us. Put your generosity into my heart. Give me a revelation of who you are one more time. Make my heart new today. I surrender to you as my provider and my my healer. I surrender to you as my father, the one who loves me and is caring for me. I surrender to you today and to your ways. Help me to adopt those ways as I give my heart to you. Change my heart supernaturally today and help me to see things differently. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your healing. I pray for strength. I pray for peace in my own soul. receive from you, God. Thank you. Now, Father, I pray that for prayer, every person who's praying that prayer today, that you would just reveal yourself over and over this week. There would be opportunity after opportunity to, to, to see it being played out in their own lives. Opportunities for being generous. Opportunities for, for sharing. Opportunities for receiving from you. Lord, teach us. Train us. Thank you. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name.